Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am delighted to be joined once again by Lawrence Connolly. Welcome back Lawrence, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure, Lawrence, always a pleasure to get your views on all things Celtic. We are opening up with the question, where are we going to watch the game on Thursday night? Obviously there's far more to talk about as well, but um, I'm looking at Miss Sarajevo. Can you remember the song that you two did with Pavarotti? Yeah, that was a... 
That was a conflict over oh, there, wasn't it? Was it was a tremendous track. Seriously, revisit it, anybody out there. Revisit that because that was at my height of uh, f- being a fanatic of U2. And I remember the, the, the track well. I remember the Sarajevo connection from the gig that I went to in 1993. And I'm asking, are we going to miss Sarajevo, Lawrence? Are we playing words there? Are we going to miss the game on Thursday night? What's happening? We need to cover this game. And I want to know where we can watch it. And straight away, Kieran's saying that um, I'm sure there'll be a stream. Well, I'm hoping that there is. It would be better if we could just, um, you know, actually watch it on a, on a on a platform that we can ensure we're not going to lose the stream because we like to cover every single game, Lawrence. I think it's going to be moved. Celtic have said to expect an announcement later today. Has it not been moved kind of 40 miles away? It has, yep. So, but definitely missing Sarajevo. I, I can't remember the name of the place it's moved to. But, uh, Celtic said to expect an announcement. Surely someone's going to cover it. You would you know? hope so. It's a, I mean, it's a playoff. Yeah. yeah Fortunately, not Premier Sports, although I've you know signed up to them. So it could be another platform I've got to spend some cash on. Well... There's been a wee bit of that over the last few weeks, hasn't there? I mean, we've had a couple of kind of one-off games whereby we're having to log into Ross County TV, St Mirren TV, Premier Sports, over and above your season ticket. Do you think the club, are the club club's hands tied at the, at, under these circumstances? Can they do anything to help us? Uh, who, well, who owns the TV rights? I think it's something the club's going forward will be looking at. Because you know, I've got... You know, I've got Sky, I've got BT, like most people, you get Celtic TV, you get Premier Sports, you know, you're now buying, as you said, for something in West County. <laughs> you know, what's the size of the Celtic audience out there compared to how much money they're getting off the current TV deal? Is it something that they, they really want to be looking at? Should we be running this ourselves? Well, the, the, the chat on social media, Lawrence, is around the fact that we're all kind of you know, starting to get to that acceptance stage of the fact that we won't be back at Celtic Park probably this season. Now that, you know, were we being a wee bit kind of um, optimistic to think that we might have been in there before the end of the year previously, perhaps. But um, we've all, you know, invested in in the season tickets. We've got them and we've got the digital versions, the virtual season tickets. And I think a lot of the the comments on social media is what else are we getting here, you know, other than the stream? Is there anything else? And, you know, I don't know really if there's anything the club can do to get that that match screened. It's obviously there's rights issues and there's regional uh, issues in terms of broadcasting. Um, but I would hope, and there's a few comments coming in uh, that we're going to run through, I would hope that someone puts that on so we can actually get it, even if you need to pay that one-off fee. I mean, yep. no no one likes doing that over and above uh, the virtual season ticket loans, but it's it's you know you know it needs to be done under the circumstances. Yeah, as always, we remember no visitors to the house if you you pay the one off fee yeah, under the latest <laughs> regulations. <laughs> so we'll be watching it just with family. Yes, absolutely. Now the other day there, uh, you were in for the game. You came along with Kevin Graham, another long time contributor to a Celtic State of Mind, and you were wearing a very similar T-shirt to the one you're sporting today. Um, it was white on green. We now have green on white. Yep. And I a couple of people asking what the relevance of Betis uh, was on a Celtic State of Mind. So over to you. Give us a wee history lesson. So, I think it goes back to, to, to Brother Walfred. So the, the boy that started Betis, uh, Manuel Ramos Asensio, came over to, when he was eight years old, came over from Spain to learn English, and he mm-hmm. went to St. Joseph's in Dumfries. 
obviously the brother Wolf's connection there. He fell in love with football and fell in love with the, with the Celtic way and his time spent in Scotland. Uh, so when he returned to Spain, to when he was older to set and he set up a football team, he decided Celtic's colours were for him. Decided not to make it hoops though and to switch the jersey to vertical stripes, which goes back to Celtic's obviously original kit. So yeah, so a big Celtic connection. Uh, even you know Thailand brother Wilfred. So you know spreading out the the, the Celtic diaspora round about the world. Celtic as in the club as opposed to Celtic the people. No, it's great because I, I do love these connections, and we know that we've got various connections to clubs all over the world, Lawrence. So it's great to see sport. And I also love the old vintage Kappa logo because we we spoke um, last week or the week before to a young man who's got a, a shop in, in Edinburgh and he's selling a lot of the Kenny um, up-and-coming brands as well as some of the old classics from the 80s. And I, I do remember when Kappa was a classic maker of Italian football jerseys, always long sleeve. Um, you know, you can you can remember the U, the great UV jerseys with Kappa on it. It was, it was a really sought-after brand back in the day, wasn't it? Yeah, 90s cool, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, if you're 90s, you the Kappa stuff, Kappa trainers, Kappa tracky. The trackies, the trackies killed it for me. You know, it Don't killed it killed much. the brand, didn't it? And then it went on to the old Little Britain thing and uh, bright pink Kappa tracksuits. Um, but I think they're maybe making a bit of a comeback. I think they're they're now viewed as as being quite, you know, uh, in vogue again. I think stuff comes in cycles, you know, and maybe it's uh, as that were in our youth in the nineties, or now we get a bit more disposable income and, and harking back to it, and perhaps people saying. Pictures of their parents are all the people they look up to. That's scary to think that. That's scary to think, isn't it? I I do remember, um, you know, there was this wave, there was a a new wave of hooliganism around Scottish football. I say hooliganism. Um, We firms were popping up all over the place and there was a theory that they were the the um, offspring of the originals from the 80s, like, you know, so they were coming through and they were maybe hitting 20, 21 and uh, they were a new breed. But, you know, some of them had just watched a couple of films, you know, and thought, I want a bit of that there. Uh, yeah, yeah. The terrorist culture. The, the movies leaving, leading to violence. Green Street. <laughs> yeah. But, no, but maybe it is listening to their, the stories of their, their elders and I'm thinking, yeah, what about that? Who knows? I mean, Aberdeen were really big in it. The casual front. Still active. The first one to bring Still in active. The, the style to it, wasn't it? Deerstalkers, Farris, Pringles. The, the, the thing is, though, Lawrence, right? And don't get me wrong, I'm not just um, tarring everybody with the same brush. I actually think the terrorist culture was obviously far more than just the, the violence and the, the hooliganism that you see that uh, the movies focus on. I mean, the fashion, uh, the culture, the way of life of these people w- was absolutely brilliant and it's so influential. And you've seen a lot of the time there, there was that crossover between music and football, wasn't there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, It, it was a, a whole kind of counterculture, wasn't it? Youth being able to express themselves through that, especially working class youth that were able to... I suppose you're coming out late seventies, early eighties, not the best of times. The country's starting to recover from the recessions. Then uh, people expressing it, uh, people are tribal, mm. getting to identify that's their tribe. And uh, I think, yeah, there was a whole different fashion. I remember it's Celtic. Remember the half and half hats that came out at the time. So as opposed to the with their own ball bob on them, they'd the kind of. Rectangular shaped in with casual hats, half Liverpool, half, yeah. half Celtic and yeah. stuff. It was certainly that was just after the, 
the builders hats you had to wear? Uh, not not to be confused with half and half scarfs, mate, because that's a completely different thing altogether, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Only ever bought them at European games, you know, the, the big ones. Other friendlies like Tommy Burns, but, you know, used to put on when they had maybe not done so well in Europe. Maybe they wanted some to bring a bit of class to the club, you know, when it was Barcelona watching Prozenecki play or playing against Bayern, Grant's testimonial. Yeah. You mentioned Prozenecki there. Proper cult, proper cult footballer, you know, um, Dragan Stojkovic. Were they no part of the Red Star Belgrade team that came over for the centenary game? I think it was on Boxing Day, was it not? 1988? Yeah, yeah I think so. But uh, I, I just remember them standing around at Barcelona team. Just one movie. I was sitting up 4-4-5, four, four, so quite quite far back. No double D seat. 19 but uh, so you're looking down and Prozenecki just moves his foot over the top of the ball you see the whole Celtic midfield shift that, <laughs> that way you're thinking oh he's, he's so he's always just way moving his foot but, he was a genius wasn't he yeah. he, he was a genius um, one last wee word on some of the brands I mean you, you I think back to uh, the days of of Kappa. There were some brilliant uh, football jersey brands. Neri was another Italian one. The NR. You've seen that in a lot of great kits. Um, and then, of course, you would see a lot of the brands on the terrace. And um, Lacoste, famously brought over from the Liverpool fans who were, you know, scouring Europe for for new gear, um, clothing as well. And then, obviously, you had uh, moving into uh, the kind of more recent era. You've got the the rise of Stone Island and all that kind of stuff as well, Napa Piri and But it's interesting how the football terrace culture can, um, you know, infiltrate fashion. I think that's tremendous. And there's some of these brands as well that you, they can make a comeback. I mean, Benetton. Remember Benetton as well. United Colours. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Benetton. And then, of course, you got some of the more cheesy ones I mentioned in a podcast the other week there. Can anybody remember SPX and Troop? And all that kind of stuff. Remember them? Travel oh, Fox. Oh, Travel Fox. Travel Fox oh. trainers. Sought after trainers. I mean, there are some uh, businessmen that specialise in resurrecting brands. Mm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Does it always work for them sometimes, you know? I know, you're right. Thankfully. That's what happened with Geo Joy, isn't it? Um, yeah. The Manchester brand. But was it not the same guys at Joe Blogs and all that? Yeah, I suppose. Well, you look what Ashley does. That's what he does. Buys the stress brands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Chippy. You know, it's off her old name. Naf Naf. Ah, great. Champion was one of those brands, wasn't it? Champion. That's come back. I've seen that kicking about. But anyway, um, more about the football. Let's move on to the soccer. And uh, people are coming through to say Declan McConville. Hello, Declan. Long time no speak. Uh, There was talk that Eurosport was going to cover the game. I did see something on Twitter about that, that uh, Eurosport might be covering the game. That would be good. Um, if they were, we need to get a stream somehow because there's no way I'm going to be listening to it on the Scottish mainstream <laughs> media and then trying to um, speak about it at half time. Lauren Celtic TV making an announcement today, seemingly. Well, that yeah, would be good. JP t- tweeted it, expect an announcement for, from the club. So fingers crossed that they've come up with, with some option. Because mm. if no one's picking it up, how complicated would it be for the club to say to a TV company over there, a media company over there? Because Celtic must know that you know either put it on the season book or they could get some sales from it. I mean, you would want it in any case, but under the circumstances, you know, the footage is even more sought after. Yeah, because nobody can go. Yeah, definitely. It's, listen, we all want to see Celtic play. That's that's the bottom line. Whether it's a qualifier or any game, you know, whether it's end of season game, you, you want to see the game, don't you? Uh, and hopefully, the club's going to make it happen. Are away teams in Europe producing programs? 
just because we're all we're steeped in nostalgia in today's show, I'm just wondering. I know that I know someone in particular who collects European programs, and he's got every single program home and away except for one in the history of Celtic, and it was the game against was it Dynamo Batumi? I think that's a very rare program away. Um, are they still producing programmes? I think they will be. Because the away the, teams the fans mean. are allowed in there, but I don't know how many fans will be there with the game being moved 40 miles. Mm. They, their fans are allowed in. There's no fan there, is there? I don't know. I actually don't know. So I, I think them moving at 40 miles might kill the crowd. Mm. Surely, over there, even then, they would travel 40 miles to see Celtic. Oh. We'd travel even further than that, you know. Owen McGrandles. John David streams on YouTube if you're desperate. Uh, their comms are awful, but better than the radio. <laughs> so what does that say for the radio? Um, I mean, we're going to have to watch the game. We're covering the game anyway. We'll be covering it by hook or by crook. We'll be covering that game, Lawrence. And um, we don't do the uh, the kind of talk through or the watch along or whatever you want to refer to it as um, because I think people prefer to actually watch the game. But we certainly do the pre-match, post-match and half-time analysis and we're looking to do that. So whilst we're on the subject of uh, Sarajevo, um, and having spoken about that fantastic Pavarotti U2 collaboration from the 1990s, would it have been? Brilliant track. Check it out. Um, we are now uh, going to be speaking about the game. Let's have a wee chat about the game on Thursday night. couple of injury concerns after, um, you know, a Yeti injuring himself. What's the story with Ryan Christie? Well, uh, I think he'll be out, you know. On the lead up to a Yeti's goal, so that was two players injured. Clearly filled in the box, but obviously ref didn't see anything because it, was, it wasn't going to give a penalty. There was no advantage played, so I think he's going to miss the game. Mm. But luckily for us, we're, we're well covered in that position. You know, we can just slot chairman. It's it's not something we're going to struggle to cover. A Yeti, well, you know, hopefully Eddie's back in form then, just slots into his position. Mm-hmm. We've got then get Kamala and Griff on the bench. Should we need them? Well, that that's the question. Do we go with two strikers on the bench? Because obviously we've got less options uh, in the European games, Lawrence. And it was brilliant to see Griffiths back for the first time in a competitive match this season, back in amongst that first twenty-man squad um, with the nine subs sitting on the bench. Uh, we've been pushing for it for weeks on the podcast, him and Rogic, because you know we, we continually said. We're always pushing for youth. We're always pushing to give youth a chance in this podcast, Lawrence. Um, but when you've got Roderick and Griffiths, who weren't part of that first team squad or they weren't sitting on the bench, you know, we were trying to, um, you know, push for the for the pair of them to get back involved. So it's great that they are back on the bench. Do you think any of the two of them will make the bench on Thursday, though? I think Griff will. Mm. I think we have the two strikers, just in case that, you know, we know Eddie's not been 100% for the last two games. So I, I think we'll put the two on, yeah, just in case we need to chase a goal. Mm. You know, the, the thing as well with Griffiths is obviously it's all about match, match sharpness, etc. But um, we talk about game changers. I think that's why we were pushing for Roderick and Griffiths. I can't see the two of them being on the bench, to be honest, because there's such a lack of game time in their legs. Um, but then you might be in a situation where you're going to be playing, or sorry, you're going to have someone like Sorrow on the bench. Um, doesn't look like the type of player you would bring on to change the game. No, he's more someone you think you'd be closing a shot up. You? Yeah, well, maybe if we've got, hopefully, you know, get a few goals up, and you can see him coming on to mm-hmm. close it down. Same mm-hmm. way, El Hamid's 
he's covered right across the, the back line casing injuries you'd want Turnbull on the bench especially after his 45 minutes a few people are calling for him to start as well Lawrence because he did look good didn't he well it's either him or Cham that's going to slip in instead of Christie isn't it uh, Cham does really well in Europe I feel you know so it's a tough decision I suppose Lenny's paid to make that decision uh, who'd want to go with mm-hmm. Turnbull or Cham Away in Europe, I've not watched any videos of Sarajevo. I've seen, seen any footage, but I'm sure Lenny's been studying it and Strachan's been studying it, and they may see something that one's more suited than the other to start. Aye, so match specific, yeah, rather than the fact Turnbull came on and and made an impact. But I don't think Enchamps had a particularly bad game no. over the last few weeks. Don't think so. He, you know, in Europe, as I said, you know, against Lazio, he was he's really good last season. Yeah, they'll be picking a team, I suppose, based on... They've got to take into whatever they see of the opposition, whatever video highlights, package they've got, whatever reports they've got on them. Mm-hmm. They may just think one player's more suited than the other. All right, well, I, w- I won't put you on the spot, but have a think about your predicted 11, and at some stage we'll run through that as well, Lawrence, as well as your predictions for the game um, as well. And we've got a message coming through from Stuart McClan, uh, who is commenting on YouTube. For everybody who's watching on YouTube, we are trying to build our subscriber base, so please click on the subscribe button. And then- This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Notification button uh, as we are going out on an almost daily basis. Lawrence, I might take a day off. Normally when Celtic aren't playing at the weekend a Saturday or a Sunday, but we make up for that on match day where we put out at least three, sometimes four uh, broadcasts as well. So loads of free content coming your way from a Celtic state of mind. Please subscribe. We're trying to build up the figures. Now, Stuart says that this is one of the reasons I'm angry at Celtic. 625 quid for my season ticket, then £40 a month for Sky Sports, 10 to 20 quid per game on Premier Sports, BT Sports subscription. This is the thing, I mean, we're looking at Ross County, Um, I forget how much it was, but we're subscribed to that for the PPV game, St Mirren, 12.50 I reckon, Ross County 15 quid if I remember right, Yep. so it is is getting to a stage where we're spending a hell of a lot of money, and I know, obviously, we're not travelling, because in my case there's a travel to Celtic Park, and you know, your, your match day costs etc I know we don't have that but we are only watching it on the telly or on a laptop sometimes on a phone where is the, the added value? I think you know SPL or SPFL whatever it was TV we spoke about a while back mm. Rangers and Celtic were the ones turning the blame for killing it when McCann came in he talked about added value what, what more you got with your season book mm-hmm. it was talk about channels, you remember you used to get the free travel you'd get into the reserve games for free but match days you'd get free travels whether it was first team or reserves and he was talking about there should be more events at Celtic Parks where season hit. a bit colder, get invited along too because 
that's a venue obviously just now under COVID they can't that, that's often empty that they could be given more perceived value at season book holders without inviting them along for you know whatever kind of event mm-hmm. and still making money I think it's something that although the club does really well commercially they could improve upon this season with COVID many, many teams are going to be left standing at the end of this we've anyway. asked the question Lawrence we've asked the question McLeish uh, Henry McLeish the former First Minister he's said you know the government can't really help the SFA or SPFL they're too secretive and and how the ways work and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's SFA secretive interesting yeah. interesting use of words there eh? yeah well I, I think Celtic have always had a, a problem with the secretive members of the secretive nature <laughs> Well, some members are more secretive than others, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs> no secret agreements that would uh, that have been challenged in open court, mm. saying that they don't have jurisdiction over a member club, and that was found to be correct. But surely they've got, you, you know, it's got to be in the public interest and other members' interest to know why one club's, you know, they're subject to a, a different standard of governance than the rest of the league. Is this the same club that uh, appeared on the chase the other night? I can't believe that Bradley Walsh, big Celtic fan, doesn't Come on, Bradley. The, 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 the wrong phrasing of the question. I know. But yeah, it would be the, be the same club. But yeah, Bradley, big Celtic fan, isn't he? So I'm sure he'll be ha- having a word with his researchers on that. He should have corrected himself, your Brad. Yeah. He played a bit, did he not? Ah, he, 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 he was at Brentford or something. Is he not been up at Celtic Park for charity games? I think you're maybe right. I do remember seeing him in the hoops. Um, oh, I mean, all the, the cool cats are Celtic fans, aren't they? So um, let's have a look. You're right, though, about the, this added value. I mean, I've always thought about it in, in terms of the marketing strategies and all that as well, Lawrence. You know, when you think about some of the... I'm interested in kits. We, we opened the discussion up talking about the, the vintage Kappa kits in the 1980s. I've always had an interest in kits, so much so that I took five years of my life to write a book on them. And, um, you know, some of them you look at, you think, where was the, the fan consultation um, in respect of some of these jerseys that even recently have been released? Um, and I know that you have focus groups, for example, but, you know, I, I got my first season ticket 1994, I've never been invited to a focus group, you know, so who's getting invited to them and why? How can, how can't rather a Celtic season ticket holder log into some portal and give their, their views on new kits or templates and things like that? So as well as added value, there's also engagement that I think could improve. Definitely. I mean, hands up, I have been invited to a focus group at Celtic, but not in kits. Uh, perhaps surprise you in one pie. <laughs> How did they select you for the pie eating focus group? I'm not. And what sure. did it entail? Come on, share it. Share, sure. share this with us. It was an evening of eating pies. <laughs> as you may have guessed. Are you making this up? No, I'm one of Celtic's right. official pie eaters. As is a fellow Kenny Harkin, who I met there, who grew up in Cambridge Lines. So yeah, they were selecting a new supplier of pies, and they had a focus group at Celtic Park. I'm not sure if I'm buying this, Lawrence. Well, I've got a letter for Celtic somewhere. Uh, 2003 it was, 2003 season. Uh, you had to go along and you know, taste, I think it was four mince pies and four steak pies. What about macaroni? Did, was there a macaroni option? I don't think there's ever been a for macaroni option. For vegetarians? At, at Celtic Park. Nah. No, I, I don't think so. I think it was just, you know, well, it was, it was just mince or, or steak pies. No bean and potato pie? Nothing fancy like that, mate. Nothing at all fancy like that. Right, so you were selected... Was it randomly? 
Uh, <laughs> I can't remember how it came through, but I was over the moon to get selected, and I had to do quite a bit of training for it. So, you know, as anyone know, like Iceland or Farmfoods were doing six pies for a pound, so I bought like loads of stocks. And for the two weeks in the run-up, I was making sure that I could put away six pies in in one set. Then why let Celtic down? Lawrence, we are wide ranging on a Celtic state of mind, but that that's taking a biscuit, and uh, I'm delighted to hear that story. Uh, was there a prize or anything, or were you just to say? Pi four, pi what? I mean, what was the story well, with this? You know, there was a group of it's a proper focus group. That's serious business. You know, sixty thousand people is going to be eating these pies for a season. How many uh, pies did you eat on the day? So, uh, I managed all six, mate. I didn't lose that. I actually, the extras. You know, it's please some of some more. Six pies. So yeah, you just had to mark the pies. You know, <laughs> out of ten, what would you give them on pastry, on filling, <laughs> and overall? And that, that was that, as I remember that. Presentation, was did that come into it? Was that one of the criteria? One of it? it may have been. De- definitely uh, pastry filling. may have been presentation, smell and overall score. I think if anybody else has ever been invited to Celtic Park um, to try out some pies, then give us a shout, because I'm not convinced. I'm, I've got a jersey in the house, 2003 jersey, with pie or 03 on the back. I'll, I'll have the letter from Celtic somewhere. Dig it out. I'm official fighter. Dig it out and bring it in. Right. Dig it out and bring it in. Um, David Logan via YouTube. How there isn't a Celtic TV app that streams straight to your television is mental. Um, I mean, we've entered into a period, Lawrence, probably the reason why we're sitting here just now doing this, which we're going to keep doing, lockdown or not. We've entered a period where everybody's adapting, aren't they? How they get their message out there, how they get their content out there. And I think big, massive clubs like like Celtic obviously have all the the tech. They have all the tech. They've got the budget. They've got the staff. They've got the know how. But sometimes just engage with the fans because some of the best ideas you hear are just from you know discussions like this and people making suggestions uh, via the social media um, and opening it up. I mean, imagine having a, a discussion like this with. A, Celt- a Celtic player or a member of Celtic staff yeah. it's monitored I mean if something ridiculous comes in from any of the social medias you don't have to add it you can actually block the user immediately and we've been doing that and we're getting a lot less of them um, none of them Celtic fans I don't think uh, as far as I could understand from from the kind of points I'm trying to make but it's all about engagement so let, let's be engaged let's yeah. be engaged with the club the, the way media consumes definitely different I've, I've got a 12 year old and she doesn't watch TV, she watches YouTube. It's yeah. all, yep. you know, most of it's user-generated co- content. Some of these people are becoming stars through it, but if that's the way the kind of younger generation are heading, and it's well documented as a, a change eh, in the way people are consuming media, it wouldn't be that hard for Celtic to do with it, to jump ahead and go, this is where the future lies, let's let's jump on and, and get an app out there, get a YouTube channel and make sure we've got content coming in you know we've got I suppose when you talk about brands you want raving fans don't you every brand wants it. Apple's very good at getting it well Celtic's got that uh, it's how they're going to make you know, best use of that relationship which I think everybody would say is perhaps not happening just now mm-hmm. whether it's consultations and strips they're definitely doing well on the pie and but saying that that was 17 years and wasn't that's a while ago so yeah. I don't know if they've disbanded or I just wanted, wasn't as back the pie eating focus group the things you learn on this show. Uh, Brian McLean, 19, you're commenting via Twitter. Many asking for the extra value to be applied here. I think I've seen a lot of comments like that on social media. Lawrence, looking for a wee bit of extra value. Um, we all realise the situation we're in and that's why people are investing in the club in a different way 
uh, as we have done before. I think people... The Adidas range was brilliant anyway. The, the design of that was superb and people have invested hugely in merchandise um, and in their season books and we're just asking, you know, we're dying to watch this game on Thursday night. So to answer the next question from Begby, um, who is commenting on YouTube, just joined, is it not on TV? Well, at the moment... I believe that there hasn't been a, an announcement. It might happen while we are doing this broadcast, and if it does, please let us know. We don't think at the moment the game has been shown anywhere. So we're looking to try and find out uh, where we can watch the game because we're going to be covering the game. We're going to be doing the live um, you know, pre-match, post-match and half-time analysis. So we need to try and determine where we can find it. Now, via Facebook, the reason your avatar and your name's not shown up at the moment is there's a, a very short uh, registration process you need to go through on StreamYard. So I don't know who I'm referring to, so apologies for that. Do you guys think the result on Thursday will determine whether we do any more business before Monday's deadline? Keep up the good work. What do you think, Lawrence? I mean, where are we in terms of targets? It's all about left-backs at the moment, isn't it? Left-backs, left-sided, centre-half. That that seems to be the the, the rumour. There's a, there's a few. There's a boy at Charlton. There's Nicol, Nicholas. Is it Nicholas Lawson at Bristol? Mm, seen Victor that Nelson, Copenhagen captain, left sided centre half. So, so so there's a few rumours. Does it depend on Thursday? I think the boy for Charlton. The money's low enough that it shouldn't. It may depend if someone else goes out. You know, again, there's rumours about Charm and Christie going down south, but. If it's going to be the, the 8.5 million for the Copenhagen captain, I don't think we'd spend that without him qualified for Europe. It's buying a ball off Charlton for around about a million. Mm. Hopefully we would buy that. I think that's a position everybody knows we need cover for, left wing back or left back, whatever yeah. we call it. That's where we're looking to get some covering, isn't it? You've got uh, Nicholas Alousen, Bristol City, decent left wing back, mm-hmm. Dotty at Charlton, but they are, I think, million and a half downwards for them so uh, hopefully either always wouldn't depend on Europe the, the centre half from Copenhagen if it's eight and a half million I think that would definitely depend on Europe oh definitely I, I think in, in, a, in answer to the question uh, the type of transfers I think will depend I don't think we can possibly go until December 31st without bringing in another left back I don't think we can do that we can't risk it um, but in, in terms of the type of transfers, i.e. permanent or loan deals, I think that may be affected if the unthinkable happens on Thursday night. We still need the cover and we might start looking at the loan market. I'm pretty sure we're looking at the loan market in any case because there's plenty of players, for example, from the English market that you can tap into and uh, strengthen the squad. We've done it effectively in the past, normally in January, Lawrence, but we have done it effectively and people can maybe speak about players um, that were brought in like Toyan and Ollie Burke and Timo Weah, uh, Charlie Musonda and it's not worked out. But a lot of the time it's about bolstering the numbers and sometimes by bolstering the numbers you get better performances out of the guys who currently have the jersey. Well, I would say Weah and Burke actually they definitely gave us a, a spot but both of them contributed with goals. Mm-hmm. I know Weah maybe blotted his copybook by going, I want to go and play for the USA. You know because Lenny wanted him to stay see the season out, then he? he was getting game time. But missed a few sitters, uh, but he scored a few. They definitely gave us a lift when they came in. I know Masonda didn't didn't work at all, did he? Apart from one cross in Europe, there was that one, one moment. Pass, wasn't it? Uh, there was one moment that, that um, 
St. Pittsburgh, you know, St. Petersburg, I was going to say St. Pittsburgh there, St. Petersburg, um, Zenit, there was one moment, but other than that, it was a failed experiment and a very expensive one as well. Yeah, well, qualifying, I suppose it it got us a lot of money, but yeah, not every transfer works, whether it's loan or or permanent, I suppose loan, there's there's less risk. I think we'll definitely be looking at the loan market, you know, you've touched on it, we, we need cover for Greg Taylor, I mean, if Taylor was going to kind of abuse that Frimpong's taken, you know, he's going to get injured sooner or later, isn't he? Yeah. No, and, you know, he has taken a bit um, of that type of, uh, um, you know, the, the physical, the physical, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words wisely here because I think Frimpong's basically booted all over the park. Lawrence, it's about the only way, that and doubling up on him is about the only way that the clubs know how to, to deal with Frimpong. But I've seen that kind of abuse and that kind of treatment being dished out to Taylor as well. Yeah, it's. I think clubs are definitely targeting Frimpong. Our players are definitely targeting him. Whether they, it's an instruction to target him or whether they're fed up him skinning him and they're like, yeah, I think Danny McGreen talks about it. Yeah. The hardest player I ever played against was Jesper Olsen who went to Man, Man United first mm. game against him. He skint Danny a, a few times. Danny, Danny said, look, there was no intelligence on him at that time. There wasn't anything to watch out for this player. Yeah, but Danny said it was Tommy Gamble's advice to him. He says, look, they can't run, run by you with a sore ankle. So he said, Danny said, second game, made sure early doors. It was tackle on him and uh, that was him quiet for the rest of the game. So maybe players are, are st- still doing that. You know, but Danny says that's how uh, Olsen got his move to, to Man United. They, they reckon there must be a player there if he can get the better of Danny. Interesting enough, I did. I always thought, you know, when I was looking at that crop of uh, players of Quality Street kids, I always thought to myself, you know, clubs must have been interested in Danny McGrain, you know, and uh, obviously Kenny Douglas goes to Liverpool, Hay goes to Chelsea, McCarry goes to Man United. Man United tried to sign George Conley. And um, we're to- we're given absolutely no um, indication that they would take any type of money for him at the time because he was Scotland's Player of the Year at the time. And uh, Danny later found out, much later found out that Man United were also interested in him um, as well. But he didn't find out at the time, which just shows you the the sign of the times, Lawrence, whereby the club was in control back then, wasn't it? Oh, I, I definitely, yeah. even right up until I suppose the eighties. Well, up to Bosman, was it? The club kind of owned you. It was. It definitely, as Bosman improved that probably, you know, but, you know, Danny McGrain, world's best fullback, 74, world's best defender. And the World Cup, and that's when he was suffering from, undiagnosed, suffering from diabetes. I think it was a stone and a half over that period of the World Cup. Mm -hmm. But for a number of years, he was the world's best defender. So, yeah. Must have known there was an interest from him somewhere, even if he didn't know concretely which clubs. Uh, I think there was a murky world then uh, involving brown envelopes and uh, yeah, transfer or not. I heard a lot of stories um, of that ilk, Lawrence. I certainly have. Uh, world class fullback Danny McGrain. I don't think we'll get too many arguments. Um, around that as well, but um, I, I do sometimes think, and I know Danny's written two books over the over the period, um, neither of which he rates in any way, shape, or form. He completely criticises them if you ever ask him about um, the books that he's been involved in. But uh, I think a Danny McGreen book would be good because even if you think he came back as a coach in '97, yep. and the managers he's worked under, everyone since Vim Janssen. Well, 
before lockdown, I suppose, I'm trying to think about when it was now, it was March, wasn't it? So probably January, February. Talk about Danny, he was still going although he's not coaching day to day, he still goes up. And he was saying he was, you know, he was having a chat with Frimpong, etc. You, you can see his influence there, you know. Mm. What a player to be advising you. I know. It's, uh, even if uh, Brendan enhanced the story, shall we say. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Is enhanced another word for makeup? Is that? Embellish. Is it? He's is embellished. That made up? Aye, aye, aye. He's embellished so. it. He definitely has. And, uh, you know, he, Danny told us that in front of a live audience, Lawrence. It was um, interesting at the time because Brennan Rogers was still the manager. But uh, Jimbo, hail, hail from Antalya. And hail, hail to you as well. It's brilliant that we're able to reach um, all over the globe uh, when we do the broadcasts. We get some tremendous figures coming back from that. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Analytics, and it's always great to see us going to various parts of the world. Launch, you were saying a pal of yours was listening in in Dubai the other day, and he heard your dulcet tones. So he was a bit surprised you were involved. Yeah, Brian Donick, he's moved out to, to Dubai with his missus. Uh, they're doing well out there. And he had a workman in the house, so he was showing him what to do, and he had us on in the background and sends a wee Facebook message to say, couldn't believe your voice coming over the TV. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Kenny McAdam via YouTube. Celtic fans didn't tolerate the casuals of the 1980s. Hooligans, not welcome. What was your memories? I mean, um, I went to my first game in 1987. So in terms of hooligans, I was never obviously involved in the 80s. What's your memories, Lawrence? So I remember rowdies, casuals. I don't think... They were as welcome as they were at other clubs, Celtic soccer crew, but I would say they definitely existed. But I don't think they were as big a thing at Celtic, and they were definitely frowned upon. But they existed. I would say, you know, they did exist, but they were more frowned upon than uh, other clubs. Yeah, what I found very, very interesting, again, it's a point of reference, um, is that I've spoken to Celtic fans Going back to something you mentioned earlier with the, the hard hats that yeah. were then decorated, uh, they were decorated so that the bottles didn't smash your skull. Um, but uh, I've been told by some of the old school that certain gangs actually existed, not hooligans as such, but gangs who existed outside of the football in the jungle at certain areas of the jungle. So you had the shamrock and and based on where you were from outside of Celtic, you might have supported the same team, but if you were in a rival gang, so there was wee pockets going on in the jungle. Again, that was before my time. Well, Glasgow had a huge gang problem. Mm-hmm. So and it was all area based. So it, it was obviously you know my background Paul so I know a wee bit about the that arena. Uh, and Glasgow's was different. Most gangs Elsewhere in the world, it was to do with making money and etc. But Glasgow's was just very tribal. You're from our area, you know. Uh, so yeah, there was a the Shamrock, uh, the Bison, 
Yeah, there's a few different gangs, different areas that would, and it would naturally just boys growing up together from whatever, the same area, same house and estate, mm. go, go to football together. Uh, I think it was just as simple as that, it was just boys growing up, but it was a big gang culture in, in Glasgow, wasn't it? So, Which, you know, violence reduction unit, Scott Tony Bones, well, he, he's retired now, but he done a lot of work there to kind of try and break that down and the, the problems that go with it. Mm. Definitely. Now, Paul Sav uh, commenting on YouTube. Welcome back to the show, Paul. The Gary Oldman play movie The Firm was brilliant. He was a scary guy. What what uh, movies of that ilk spring to your mind? I, I quite liked ID, remember? ID, Green Street. What was the, the name film. of the team again? That's on the top of my It'll come to me. It'll come to me. And ID. Um, that, I thought that was good back in the day. Yes. Shadwick? Was it Shadwick? Something like that? Someday, please. Shadwick's something from a film, but I'm not too sure if I Check that out for me if you're uh, if you're online. I think it was, was it Shadwick? Something like that? I reckon it was, but that I thought that was a good one. It's maybe no age that well. I've not seen it for a few years. Yeah, it's, I suppose it's just, it's documenting a culture that was definitely there, wasn't it? There was Has there ever been a Scottish one? Has there ever been a Scottish one made? Because, I mean, the Scottish hooligan scene... With Hibs and, and Aberdeen specifically, um, but all, also other issues that, that were uh, existing in football stadiums around about that time. That'd be an interesting plot as well, would it not? Transplant touching it a wee bit with the, the Hibs. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that's definitely there to be done, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Uh, no, for me, because I'm having a sabbatical when it comes to writing. Um, uh, I'm semi-retired. Gary Doonan, if you look at the Scottish Cup final riot in 1980, there was a whole different type on the pitch that day, mods, skinheads, uh, the Keith Chegwin cords look. <laughs> what did you call them, people that wore the Keith Chegwin cords? Punk and even an old Rangers fan on the pitch with a silver shiny suit swinging punches. Aye, that was just... That, that wasn't the organised violence. I suppose it was more organised than the that came in, wasn't it? Was, you know, fight... When the police get hold of things in grounds, uh, fights arranged away from the ground, you know, and outside the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 80s was, uh, it just seems to be a team that riots if they lose things in finals. They just they have a habit of that. I don't know why. And it's not going away with a, the new incarnation. No, absolutely not. Um, and I mean, see when, when we're talking about uh, football culture, there is a differentiation which I, I think is missed on the authorities, Lawrence, between hooligans yep. and ultras. There is definitely a, a distinction between the two. Well, if you look at, I suppose that the Green Brigade's a big, big Celtic culture scene just now. Uh, they do a lot of great work with food banks, raising funds, mm-hmm. but they get kettled. They get blamed for stuff that they weren't even at in George Square. The police saying, you know, "Whether you're blue or green, you know that there was an attack by Rangers fans, and somehow the Green Brigade were, or Celtic fans were getting dragged into it, and Celtic fans weren't, weren't even there." Yeah, so. Yeah, I think there's sometimes a misunderstanding there of things that have changed or just being, I suppose, working class. It's easy to target people without as much of a voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's any bigotry in the targeting of the way, you know, the Green Brigades. There's definite bias. There's definite oh, bias. There's a definite bias when you've got things like the ones what can, can go down and that kind of thing's tolerated, or you've got a justice minister after cup finals saying, "No, oh, that was great." You know, this is what an advert for Scottish football. But all you had was 
anti-Irish, mm-hmm. anti-Catholic songs for 90 minutes. Yeah. But the Justice Manager thinks, well, I can stand up and say this is the brilliant advert. This is, this is well, a spectacle. I, 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 yeah. you, is it so normal that you're blinded by it? You know, you, you know, are you completely blinded by that? Yeah, I, I think there's you know an inherent bias in it, in a culture in it, in a country that doesn't seem to doesn't seem to to be willing to be acknowledged. I mean, when they brought in the Offensive Behaviour Act, mm-hmm. it was more or less one of the ministers then says it was more or less an even and up act. Problem is, there's too many Rangers fans being arrested, but and not enough Celtic. But the thing is, it's not fans of particular clubs you arrest; it's lawbreakers you arrest. Yes, you know, if, if one fans clubs are breaking the law more than others, well, they should be arresting more. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't right. bring up an even up act to go, well, we want to target them now because we're not arresting them. Why are you, you if they're breaking the law or arrest them, that was your problem, they weren't breaking laws, so you couldn't arrest them. Mm-hmm. So you specifically brought in a law to allow you to target Celtic fans, which, you know, it's a scandal. Is I mean, What would John and Barnes say about the, the unconscious bias in that? Or does, is that conscious bias? I think it is conscious bias. Uh, what what John would say, maybe I'll ask him again. Part right. two is it unconscious conscious bias. I don't know. <laughs> did, did they, I mean, if they actually step back and thought, how ridiculous is this? Mm-hmm. Gary McDill via YouTube. I can't see Eddie leaving in this window. This is a good point. This is a very good point. Arsenal concentrating on defensive midfielders and not looking for a striker. What do you think? I was going to bring this up in any case, Gary. So thanks for raising it um, on the on the bulletin. The reason I was going to bring it up, you mentioned earlier on, uh, and Cham has had some speculation um, linking him to clubs such as Southampton and I think West Brom, a couple of um, French clubs as well, Lawrence. We've heard the rumours which I think were uh, shot down by Neil Lennon in relation to Ryan Christie and Burnley. And we've heard rumours around Eduard with Aston Villa and Arsenal. Now, for the last fortnight, I have been watching the, the breaking transfer news every single morning for a number of hours every single morning on Sky Sports and not once have I heard Celtic mentioned not one Celtic player is linked to any English clubs I think we, I think he's, he's right with Eddie I think Eddie wants to stay Celtic's looking for a lot of money you know it's 40 million upwards Covid's coming in I think every club's drawn their belt in a bit uh, he's, you know Arsenal do appear to be looking elsewhere for their, their reinforcements you know not in that position Celtic don't want to sell. It doesn't look like anyone wants to buy. So it's, it's I think it would suggest he's going to stay. I mean, it, even if it is, you know, even if Villa came in with an offer, would, would he go to Villa? You know, if Moussa got Leon, right? Surely Eddie's got his eyes on a bigger club. I think, you know, you've made a great point there because I've said before, Lawrence, I don't think Villa's the, good, the, the right club. I don't want him to leave. I, yeah. I certainly don't want him to leave, but I don't think Villa's the right club for um, Odson Edward. He could end up going down there and scoring eight or nine goals in a season. Um, what because of the club that he's yeah. at, you know? But he'd be up against it. You look at, for example, um, some of the frustrating games we, we've watched this season, where the, the other clubs parked the bus, and we've already credited Hibs for not doing that at the weekend. They didn't park the bus, and Celtic were able to express themselves. But when you're up against it, it's difficult for a striker in a game like the game against St Mirren, where every time the ball comes to him, he's surrounded by three or four players. You saw Eduard coming deep to try and get involved in the play. And it, it, you know, it's been something that we've actually seen a, a number of times this season. If you go to a club like Villa, you're not going to be getting the opportunities that you get at Celtic. 
You know, you, you might get half a dozen opportunities from, you know, game to game where you've got goal scoring opportunities uh, to such a degree that I think we've, we've seen strikers at Celtic Park in the not too distant past who have scored 30 goals in a season who weren't outrageously great strikers. It's just that the, the, the actual chances were there. Scott McDonald would be an example. Now, I'm not criticising McDonald, I thought he was a decent enough striker. But he was, you know, and somebody's going to say he scored the winner here or he scored the winner there. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's down to the way Celtic play and the amount of chances. Scott McDonald, 30 goals in a season for Celtic. What did he do when he left Celtic? Even outside of McDonald, what about Cadetti? Came in Mm. and he was getting... No penalties. You know, that season, no penalties did he score. Yeah. Um, You know, but he still burst the 30 goal mark, didn't he? So, yeah, I think Celtic strikers traditionally get a lot lot more chances, don't they? Yeah. I, I think Eddie's ambition's got to be a club at least as big as a win Musa went to if not bigger I think I think he's got more, more potential so I think Eddie's maybe looking at another season here his advisors have got to be looking at world football and going you know where's things how many clubs are going to be standing after this season what would the leagues look like will Celtic still be playing in Scotland will it be national leagues will it be regional leagues because Celtic in a bigger league becomes a different proposition. Mm-hmm. It may be that you wouldn't want to move then if it's some kind of mini European league, a regional league, a British league, who knows, maybe they're saying, look, hang tight for another year, do a bit of development and let the dust settle on COVID and, and see where you can go. You know, Because right now, maybe clubs can't commit to big contracts or take, you may view Eddie as a risk coming for Scottish football. And go, well, we don't want that risk just now until we know when we're getting fans back into games, what income streams are going to look like, what leagues are going to look like. This is a big discussion point that in the past you were shot down if you ever spoke about Celtic leaving Scottish football. It's never going to happen. You know, the chance, the ship has sailed, you know, for the English league. And, but uh, all bets are off. We know that. All bets are off. No one knows what's around the corner in terms of uh, the collapse of certain clubs or leagues. And where will that leave Celtic? Because they're such a huge brand that, um, you know, th- things that maybe have been stipulated previously that's prevented the move. And we know what happened because we, we covered it in a couple of intriguing uh, podcasts. I'm not just saying that because it was an Axon podcast. Some of the information we were getting from, you know, um, the likes of Paul Smith, who was um, advising, in fact, he was the lawyer, uh, Fergus McCann around the Wimbledon deal in 98. We spoke to David Lowe, who bought a football club to use it as a Trojan horse to see if we could do it and take Clyde Bank to Dublin, you know. Yep. So we, we learned a lot from those two guys. Um, but at that time, after 98, with the change of regulation after the World Cup, as it was explained by David Lowe, there was a there was basically a barrier brought down. Celtic won't be joining the English league, but you know all bets are off. This is a big thing. We don't know where we're going to be in six months in terms of football, Lawrence, and we don't know what the structure of each individual league is going to look like. But there will be opportunities, I'm sure. Um, once you say that, once the dust settled, um, it w- the dust will settle. Uh, the the virus is here to stay. You know, I think there's a lot of people who think that there's going to be a great announcement one day and we've beaten the virus. We're never going to beat it. The virus is here to stay. It's all about being able to adapt um, the infrastructure of, of each individual country to ensure that we can live with it because it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, the virus may change. I mean, Sweden think that they're over it, but virus, I say, just on financials, 
this the, it's this year's financials that's going to kill kill them, which is brought in by the, are a symptom of how we've dealt with the virus. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. So whatever you think of the virus, if it's adapted, if Sweden's better, we're going to have a season. Where we've got, clubs are going to have to deal with that. The income's just not going to be there. No, and Scottish football was heralded as relying on ticket sales and people through the door. Yeah, that was the best model ever before this virus because. Your TV companies, the money might dry up, something could change. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely the ticket money is not going to be there. I know Celtic have sold virtual season tickets, sold other clubs, but the the, the match day walk-up's not there for every other club in the league. Average revenue average per revenue. every punter, every single yeah. game. You know? So a visit to Celtic Park will spend more than a season to bit colder because someone's going there as maybe once or twice a season so they're mm-hmm. going to the shop you, you know Celtic would maximise their, their revenue to, but other clubs that don't have the season but basically would have maybe a ste- steady home crowd of 5,000 walk-ups or something mm-hmm. whatever it is mm-hmm. it's not going to be there it's going to be the same across Europe clubs without money you know the rumour is we'll, we'll head into a recession after this Europe will that's what they're expecting our banks then going to want to bankroll football clubs we are lucky we've got Dermot Desmond and Dennis O'Brien too extremely wealthy guys, two genuine billionaires mm-hmm. that I don't think would let Celtic go to the wall. You know, Celtic without revenue. That that's it, isn't it? So there's going to be certain clubs that will that are financially sound enough to survive this or definitely outlast the rest of the clubs in their leagues. Yeah. Or the majority. You know, if, if you get down to what 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 would happen if say four of the the teams in the Scottish top top division couldn't compete next season. You, you know what you do is it bring up who's left from the first division. Would businessmen then look at this as a catalyst and an opportunity to say, "This is what can drive change in football. Mm-hmm. This is how we make Celtic an even bigger brand. This is how we get exposure to a bigger football market." The big thing is, and this sometimes the word "exploit" is is seen as a bad thing, but in business, you know, businesses are always looking to exploit circumstances, aren't they? Well. I think you use the word adapt, and that's what uh, Darwin said, wasn't it? Isn't the strongest? Isn't the smartest? It's the most adaptable. Mm-hmm. So there's been a huge change in circumstance. Who's best placed to adapt it to their advantage? And I think in Scotland, it's Celtics, it's best place. Yeah. Place to adapt to it. Let's hope, you know, the guys that run the club are. And I'm sure they are. They, they, they'll be having talks with other clubs around about Europe. They'll be having talks with clubs in England because there'll be certain clubs that are. Rumour to be going bust almost every week. Mm-hmm. There'll be other clubs that maybe know that if this goes on for a year that they can't go bust. But similarly, there'll be other clubs and leagues go, well, we've got some funds that we can see out this season and we can play next season if we've got somewhere to play. Mm. Charles Buckin, welcome back to the show. Great to see you getting involved again. You're commenting on YouTube. I'll just remind everybody that's watching. If you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe to us because we're putting out loads of content. We're also involved in some other content, non-Celtic related. Uh, Lawrence, we have just agreed with a Scottish League club that we will be producing their podcast. How good is that? That's top, you know. I won't be on it. I don't have the knowledge of the club, but I'll be producing it for a state of mind. So we are expanding all the time, and I keep saying this, if you've got a good idea or a concept, or if you're a budding presenter and you want to come on the show, give me a shout, because we are looking to expand the team uh, as well, Lawrence. But Chaz is saying that me and the boys from my bus used to steal designer polos and jumpers (laughs) um, by the barra and sell them. 
in the pubs or in the jungle in the good old eighties. Always five finger discount. He means. Hey, you know, I always remember. Um, I, I've never been one for going to the pubs when I'm going to the football on. So it's just never right. been part of my my match day, right? But going to the Barrowlands to watch a gig was a different um, example entirely. And when I always do remember being in the boozers and people coming in with um, I, hooky goods. I used to drink around about there with the Adwin was alive, God rest him, and John Scanlon had a toll booth, but it didn't matter what day of the week it is. In fact, you sometimes have people going, you needing anything? <laughs> <laughs> you know, 50%, you Taking orders, taking yeah, orders, yeah. But they, they'd walk in, and even extends beyond that, maybe it's a, a Celtic pub culture, because I was down a Cock Tavern in London, uh, you know, not far from Houston, big Celtic pub, <laughs> and the same thing happened there. Guy came in, and it looked like the side of a pig that it got for somewhere, you know, it was all wrapped up in you know, best before and everything, I'd look at it, sell it, you had that and boxes of perfume, so, yeah, there's a definite pop culture there, isn't there? There's a great uh, Loverpudlian documentary that was made by a, a French director whose name um, escapes me at the moment, uh, You'll Never Walk Alone, it's called, and it covers people like Mick Head from Shaq and uh, Ian McCulloch from Echo and the Bunnymen, a good friend of ours, Edgar Summertime Jones from The Stairs, and there's a scene in it where he's in a boozer in Liverpool and this guy comes in, he's selling veg. Veg. He buys an onion. Jeez. Honestly. Stealing veg, come oh. on. Surely you've got to go for a higher value target. <laughs> veg. Gary, what else was he st- uh, selling? Gary Doonan, Prozanecki, uh, Zagreb 98 at Celtic Park. Best ever performance by an opposing player. And he was just so cool, wasn't he? Yeah. He did not smoke 40 fags a day. He probably only smoked five, but by the time we heard about it, it was 40. Probably 40 in his day off. He's maybe yeah. heard about so- Socrates, and mm-hmm. he's went, that's who I want to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and so Dr. Socrates, he was a 60 a day man, wasn't he? Socrates. So Rye's right? big brother. Remember Rye for PSG? Socrates was his big brother. That's a late two team. Yeah. Wow. It's an education sitting here with you. You can know that, Lawrence. Agent Bolly Bombscare. Mm, good uh, <laughs> good moniker. Harry Redknapp signed Prozanecki later in his career for Portsmouth, if I'm not mistaken. I remember it now. I could never have told you that before that, that came up. And um, we've also got Stephen Forbes. The team that played Sarajevo in 2019 included several players I expect to see on Thursday. Beaton, Christie, Brown, Eddie, McGregor, Ayer. Griff was on the bench, now one year on, he may be there again. Um, that's reminding me, I, I do have to ask you for your predicted 11, which I'll come to in a moment, but there is no way I can do that without a bring up, bringing up Gary McDowell's point, going back to some of the brands that we opened up with because you had the cap on your, your chest there, SPX trainers. <laughs> Remember SPX well, yeah. trainers? Because now you're reminding me of British Knights, it was SPX, not, British Knights and Troop. Yeah. Just went by British Knights, mate. You, you're Celtic fan, you've got... You, well, SPX, them, SPX also had the, the yeah. um, butcher's apron on it, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's brands that I wouldn't buy. No. It's like, it's like Barber wax jackets. That they, you know, mate, they just lost the sale. Absolutely. And Reebok trainers. Yeah, another one gone. No, you're right, but SPX also fell into that category. They had the Union Jack, uh, Sergio Tashini. Yeah, Sergio Ticini, another cool Italian brand. It was, uh, there was something about the Italian brands, wasn't there? And uh, my, my personal favourite was a Neri with a wee NR badge and, you know, some of the, the jerseys they did for the Italian clubs in the 80s it was and the, the 90s. It was maybe Italian 90. Galaccio, you know, exploding on it, Channel 4, that mm-hmm. just kind of propelled that culture to his... Because it was, it was before Sky, wasn't it? You were getting Galaccio and it was... 
it was TV you didn't have to pay for. You know, it's I know, and, and we had this uh, newfound uh, interest in Italian football, didn't we? But it was at that point, you know, a lot of people, dare I say, were interested in Gascoigne at Lazio. Yeah, he he was good at Newcastle, decent at Spurs, over to Lazio. Uh, I'm not too sure how much he'd done there. He got that injury at Spurs before he left. But, you know, Italian 9, it was a good World Cup as well, wasn't it? Roger Miller, golden, Italy's golden generation, mm-hmm. Baggio. The worst part about Italian 9, it was the final. It was a pure final, but leading up to that, yeah. it, it was a great tournament uh, to support the Republic Island, wasn't it? Total Scalaccio, yeah, well, Republic Island. You, you it was Scalaccio that scored against them, wasn't it? Yeah. You, you saw it coming in 88. Aye. Aye. Beating England. Uh, that was, I didn't even have a sponsor in the 88 jersey. That was classic. I had that one. That was Adidas as well. Mm. That was a cracking jersey. But classic. by the time they made, it was Opal by the time they got it in 1990, wasn't it? Was it? Irish sponsor. That's right. But th- that was great. Paddy Bonner got another year at Celtic out there, another, another few years actually, because he was going to go to Kelly because he, he was out of contract at Celtic. Saves the penalty, meets the Pope, saves the penalty. <laughs> Celtic sign him again. What, what was the deciding factor? Saving the penalties or meeting the Pope to get? You're bringing back memories. You're bringing back memories though, because um, Jack Chant used to take his his trips out to uh, Harry Ramsden's and all that as well. So going back to the pies. Yeah, Jack, big Celtic man, wasn't he? He's, he's, it was, I dearly departed as well. Uh, Big Red is reminding us uh, that Mark Viduka played with Prozenek, I remember, for yeah. the Cro- Croatia Zagreb. Oh, that turn in the box for Viduka, I think that's why we signed him. I remember him getting interviewed after the game and he says that, uh, they asked him about Celtic, he says, I heard that there's a, a lot of good Catholic boys up there. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> but back then he was Marco Viduka. Yeah, Marco Aye, and then he dropped it all, didn't he? Um, so that takes us on to Thursday night's game, Lawrence. Give me your predicted 11. Barkas and goal. Yep. Uh, Taylor, mm-hmm. stick on. I'll go with Frimpong. So it's two win backs, centre halves. I'll go with Duffy, Beaton, and Ayer. Uh, I think I'll just stick with that. Mm. I don't know how close they fit Big Julian is, but even if he's fit, I would stick with that. Yeah. Midfield, it's got, you know, two straight away. It's two or three. It's Brown McGregor. Aye. So who comes in, Turnbull or Charms, I suppose, that is the question here. And I'd probably Is Christy with... definitely out, yeah? It looked a bad one he took. I don't know if he's definitely out. But so I'd rather not risk him play, mm-hmm. playing with an injury. And I think we're covered enough. So if it's touch and go, it's, it's an area we don't need to risk anyone that's 90%, isn't it? You know, might go right, it's carrying a bit of a bit some abuse there. I would start with Charm. Just European experience, I think it suit us. And up front, Moy and French It's interesting how uh, quickly these things change. A couple of weeks ago, we wouldn't be picking Beton and El Yunusi as, as starters, would we? Well, a couple of weeks ago, I thought that was El Yunusi's position. You did mention it. Uh, big Beton is. Uh, have you said so enough? Have you said enough on a Celtic state of mind that happens? We've well, got we've got Roderick back in the team as well. Here's the thing. Is that our best ever signing from Man City, Beaton? Did Beaton go to Man City? I know he was on trial there. Did, did we not sign him? He was on trial, I was do it know. Was trial, was it? Yeah, I think he was on trial with Man City. We need to check that out. Um, I would need to check. I'm sure we brought him in from uh, an Israeli side. The same side that Rami Gershon played for. Remember him? Remember Rami Gershon, yeah. He was in a quick. We've had some, We've had some, so some many good players. deals from Israel, was it? Uh, yeah, aye. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're you're right. But I'm I'm don't think Beaton actually signed for Man City. I think him and Wanyama um had a trial with Man City. I think yeah, Wanyama came for Belgium as a Gershon or something. Yeah, what's his team? Came from but yeah, I think Wanyama had a trial. Ashod. Ashod not that's not the Belgian team, that's Israeli team, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing all this from memory, I'm not checking Google. Somebody yeah. actually told us it was Shadwick. Remember Shadwick, the ID? Yeah. Shadwick, yeah. So yeah, Wanyama Cracking signing. Yeah, he definitely wasn't a man side. Uh, thought at one point he might have ended up there. but Or even back at Celtic Park. But where is he? Is he Canada or the States? So he ended up going. I know, I know. Um, Wanyama came, someone's reminding me, uh, Bob Doig's reminding us that Wanyama came from Germinal Beershot, Belgian yeah, football. But he had certainly been on trial. Maybe not at the same trial, time, yeah. but him and Beaton had been at trial, on trial at Man City. I mean, the Lenny... Lenny was taking a wee bit of abuse when he signed Winyama because well, again we'll 900k go, yeah and I think people go oh it's other areas of the team we need to strengthen what we need another midfielder for you know every time I, I hear Winyama's name it takes me back to Firhill because we had a bounce game against Partick Thistle and um, Emilio came back from his broken leg this was his first game back right. And I remember going to the game and it was completely mobbed. Uh, I think the Green Brigade were there. I'm sure they were actually. Uh, but I remember seeing the player who, to this day, I still reckon is the worst Celtic striker I've ever seen playing for Celtic. Rasmussen. Morten he was terrible. I mean, he was shocking. He was shockingly bad that day. Watson Biggins. And I did see him as well. Got his autograph on a St. Johnson programme. Um, he was, was he selling them? <laughs> he might have been actually another ex-Man City player if you want to talk about Man City players um, but yes he was he was terrible it looked to me like he was not interested in the slightest because it was like a team that was made up uh, some youth players some French players just to get Emilio uh, a game yep. and Wanyama was was in the dugout he wasn't stripped he had the tracksuit on but he was in the dugout we just signed him I think the day before Wanyama we didn't know much about him at the time yeah the Danish Duncan Ferguson, Rasmussen, eh? They used to call him Big Duncan, didn't they? Yeah. Um, So here we go. Kevin Graham confirms Beaton and Wanyama were both on trial at Man City. And um, Fraser Ogilvy, Beaton couldn't get a work permit for Man City. So that prevented him. Yeah. But was it Ashdod? Because we got... Effie came from there as well, didn't he? Yeah. Effie came from there. Well, it depends. Is it Dudu, the agent that we use over there? Yeah. But see, we're doing all this from memory. You know, I'm not checking Google or anything, so we're relying on you to give us the facts. We're just throwing a few bones out there. Uh, Joe Porter, Rasmussen, blast from the past. Honestly, Joe, this was the worst performance I had seen but, by a Celtic you know, striker. Bounce game, maybe some players don't. But he wasn't interested. interested. No. He scored a few goals. He came, he did, scored a couple of goals. Is it one in three or something he was from his starts? Probably, because I remember he scored a couple at East End. Yep. In one of the cup games, he scored a couple that day, um, and I think he he might have came off the bench, so that would have helped his goal scoring ratio. But oh, he was he just wasn't good enough. But there was a whole uh, procession of players like that that we were bringing in at that time. Yeah, yeah there, there was quite a lot of centre halves. Who remember Josh Hulvelt? Remember him? Yes. And we brought in Thomas Ronya, and I thought Ronya had a bit of Norway, not- potential. The toy did he not end up at Southampton? I think it was Southampton, yeah. yeah Ronya looked good. A few injuries though, wasn't it? Left us at twenty four or something. Don't know where he went after that. If he's the new cop he actually after a new contract and he refused, didn't he? Was that yeah. uh, that's right. I can't remember yep. who signed him from us, but he refused yep. the contract from us. He went he down. He's going to be okay, didn't he? He went to England. Aye. Did he go to Wigan? 
Might have been, but never to be seen again. Jimbo says, lucky you never seen Jim Melrose, ex-Man City. Another Celtic Man City connection is Jerry Craney. Craney, yeah. I was actually watching uh, highlights on Twitter. Craney double McStagle. Oh, was that the St. Mirren game? Yeah. I remember it. I remember it, yeah. It's Love Street. Yep. Um, Listen, we're just going to talk about... uh, Bad Celtic strikers now, of which I don't think Craney was part of that group. I don't think he was a bad Celtic striker uh, by any means. Bob Doig, the story with Rasmussen. Oh, should I really just read this out or should I just remove it? Uh, let's read it first. Alan Thompson says to him during a train session, remember, it's a ball, not a bomb. <laughs> Listen, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, also, Paul, Paul a girl I knew called Rasmussen Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga was better looking, I think. Joe Porter, Celtic have had a few dire strikers. Yeah, you're not joking there. Kevin Graham, um, Rasmussen and Robbie Keane up front. That was the East End Park yeah. game. Yeah, Ro- Robbie Keane, he, he was cracking for us, but another player that couldn't buy a fill. Certain games, it doesn't matter how many times he was getting uh, no protection for him, you know. That's Just right. film without getting booted. Particularly the Rangers game. Oh, he was booted all over the, park. the park. I think Bakuri was it. He only played one game against Rangers, didn't he? Think so, but what was it? Pekiri had some like nine fouls Aye, after right. being on a yellow. Then he had a full of nine fouls just against Kane alone. Mm-hmm. I know it was it was poor. Well, refs must have forgot the rules. Much much like the weekend when uh, he cuts out a ball to Celtic and there's no bounce. Mm-hmm. I just let hips attack. You let right ref. Come on, um, Kevin Graham. Andy Payton was decent and a good lad. I like I, Andy. I, I really like Payton. Uh, Everywhere he went, there was like kind of one and three for Peyton. At the time he came in, it wasn't the best Celtic team, but great, great turn from him. Really industrious striker. Worked his ass off, didn't he? He was, he was. I thought he was. Really he, he was that. He was, you know, in a in a very dark kind of time, and his goal scoring uh, records pretty decent for Celtic. I mean, I know he was falling on from the likes of, you know, a few years previously. Well, guy we don't talk about, and Brian McClare up front. You know, mm-hmm. you, you'd some really. Cracking strikers then, uh, then you had Marker and Andy Walker. So yeah, he was falling hard acts, but Peyton did it not as good a Celtic team, but still kept up his goals. He did. he did, he did well. He was and a we, hard worker. With Cascarino around about that time, ja, you know, just before that, Jack Anofsky. Coyne, I think Tommy Coyne was underrated, yeah. I was a big fan. I think when Liam Brady came in, that, that um, signalled the end of Coyne's time at Celtic. One of the first things he tried to do, in fact, was to sell him to Man City for half a million. And the deal fell through. And I don't think, because that deal was ongoing, I don't think um, if Brady knew Coyne was staying, we would have signed Cascarino. And if he didn't have Cascarino, we'd never get Tommy Boyd. Well, I don't know. He was destined for Celtic Boydie, wasn't he? Yeah, but he was down Chelsea, wasn't he? So it's like, <laughs> and they wanted Cascarino, even after watching him play. But saying that Cascarino then went, goes out, plays for a public eye and does well, bangs him in at Marseille. Have you read his book? I've not, no. Full time? No. I'd recommend it. On the subject of football books, there's so many uh, football books, but there's so many autobiographies, and a lot of them are formulaic. Yep. And the ones that I would pull out that might not be that obvious, Tony Cascarino, excellent. No, very thick actually. Quite a quite a, uh, a thin book. Paul McGrath, outrageous. Back from the brink. Uh, Mickey Quinn. Remember Mickey Quinn? Yeah. that played for Newcastle. Yep. 
his book's worth reading as well. Um, loads of others, but there, there's three that came to my mind just now. Joe Porter, who was a Swedish guy with the dreads, not Larson. Um, Bangura. Bangura, yeah. Recommended so just, by Larson, I think. I'd just done the walk to Johnny Thompson's grave for the anniversary, and at half time, he got to walk around the park. Mm-hmm. And that was like Bangura. It's, yeah, on the bench, they all got to meet him as well. And almost scored against us the following season when we loaned them back well yeah, one of uh, a select few players who have played for and against Celtic in Europe Joe Ingerberger was that he just didn't get yeah. much of a chance at Celtic but then scored a couple against yeah, us I know, was so, did, so did um, Harold Harold brought back ah, but always remember for a goal against St Johnston mm. Tommy Boyd put it tough across you know last and opening the score in that day but yeah Tommy Boyd and then Right back, cool as you like, back in it. Interestingly, Alistair Jack, the worst forward, Chris Killen, X-Man City now. Chris Killen got himself into bother um, a couple of years ago. Very, very, uh, you know, seedy crime, if you ever want to Google that one. But um, I think he just escaped jail. But obviously when it was reported, it was excelt Chris Killen, you know. It's the only way the media up here knows how to report it, isn't it? I think so. Now... I love a wee walk down uh, memory lane. We're going to leave it with uh, another one of Danny McGrain's proteges. It was Amido Baldi. It wasn't great. I remember he started up front in pre-season friendly with Tony Watt. On screen it read, a Baldi, T. Watt, Watt. Good vibes. A bald twat. So, um, Nick John, thanks Liverpool? for that. Hmm? Was that against Liverpool in Dublin? He scored a cracker against Liverpool, didn't he? In Dublin, yeah. Aye, uh, but... Um, I've got to say it, Danny McGrain told me Amido Baldo was the worst player he's ever seen in a Celtic jersey. So there you go. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us today. It's been an education as it always has been uh, from information being supplied by Lawrence and also from all of you uh, guys and girls out there um, joining us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. It's a real pleasure um, to do the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin and we'll keep it coming on a, a weekday basis. So all that's left for me to say is uh, thank you, Lawrence Conley, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Thanks for having me. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.